Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So in Florida, they're into the recounts, but the question is, what are they counting? Who decides what they count? You'll hear people on the progressive side scream, you have to count every vote. Do you have to count every vote that's in existence or every vote that's actually a vote? What if some of those votes just magically appeared? Some provisional ballot that shows up in the back of a rental car or trunk of a car or in a church pew for the love of the Lord. What do you do with those? What is actually happening in Florida? Is this an attempt to steal an election? Is that what's happening in Arizona? Where Kirsten Cinema, the Democrat, is now ahead of the Republican Martha McSally? Is this what we're about to see in Georgia, where Stacey Abrams, the socialist, refuses to concede and now has filed a federal lawsuit to delay uh, how the counting works so maybe she can force a runoff with Brian Kemp? Let me bring in John Eastman right now. John Eastman, the former uh, dean at Chapman Law School. He is the founding director of the Center for Constitutional Jurisprudence uh, at uh, Claremont Institute. If you don't know Claremont, you should. Uh, And, of course, uh, he is uh, liked by Hugh Hewitt, so therefore he must be decent right there. And, John, it's it's good to have you uh, on the show. Uh, I know your work, uh, followed for a while. Let's start with the basics. You've got the Senate race involving Rick Scott and the incumbent Bill Nelson. You have the governor's race involving Ron DeSantis and Andrew Gillum. The governor's race is about uh, 0.41% apart. The Senate race is 0.15% apart. These are both going to recount, but we're starting to find these ballots everywhere. Can you describe what it is uh, from your view uh, that you're seeing? Well, it, it sure looks like election fraud underway. And by the way, thank you for the very gracious introduction. Uh, it's great, great to be on your show. You know, uh, I was involved in, in, in one of the many trial cases uh, back in 2000 in the presidential election. And we learned a whole lot from the experts in those cases about election fraud. You know, for example, everybody's familiar with dimpled chads and hanging chads uh, from from those days uh, 18 years ago. But what they don't tell you, what the experts told us in this trial, is that it's almost impossible to dimple a chad, to push it hard enough that it creates an impression in the paper without actually pushing the ballot uh, thing through or at least hanging it. Uh, but, but it's very easy to do if you stuff four or five ballots into the machine at the same time. Um, and, and that kind of thing we're seeing over and over again. Uh, just, you know, we, we, even the video, my former associate dean, Tim Canova, who ran against Debbie Washerman Schultz two years ago, um, filed suit because he saw very odd things happening in Broward County. And, uh, and, and, and won in the suit and was ordered that the documents, the ballots, be turned over for inspection, and they, she then destroyed them. Um, uh, what we see now is a video he's got up on his website of people moving boxes of ballots from private vehicles to a ballot uh, official, uh, you know, ballot uh, uh, election uh, vehicle. Now, that on its own, it may not be uh, untoward. Um, But it appears that we have lost any notion of the chain of custody of these ballots, which just creates an opportunity, uh, an unbelievable opportunity for fraud. 
talking to John Eastman, the former dean of the Chapman Law School, right now founding director of the Center for Constitutional Jurisprudence. Let's talk Barbara Snipes. She is the one in charge of elections uh, in the counting, if you will, uh, there in Broward County. She has been sued before. There have been a series of problems that come out of Broward County, and you bring up something that I, not being a lawyer, I think is very important, which is the concept of the chain of custody which is to the idea that there is a system. There's a system for which the vote goes from point A to point B, and yet here we are in a place where we're aware. Not, it's not a question. We are aware that the system wasn't followed. So the question is, how do we get to that place, and why should we, the, the, the public, somehow think that the, those ballots are still valid? Well, that's right, and, it's, and the system is designed so that partisans on both sides of the of the campaign are able to participate in that chain of custody. When somebody shows up with a box of ballots uh, that you know hand delivered by one one party without any uh, oversight from the other party, you, you 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 just naturally raise a question: Where the heck did those come from? And by the way, I'm one of the I'm one of the suits against uh, Brenda Snipes right now. Uh, I'm representing Wait, the American C- Civil Rights Union which sued her a couple of years ago for her failure to comply with federal law in cleaning up the lists. And we learned during the course of that litigation that she does absolutely nothing to check whether people are on the voter rolls who are non-citizens, who are felons, uh, or who are, have died out of state. They do check the, the death records in state. But, you know, guess what? Florida has a lot of people with dual residences, and a lot of them die out of state. And she does nothing to validate whether they, they, they are still on the voter rolls properly or not. And when you have um, uh, uh, people who are ineligible to vote uh, on, that remain on the voter rolls year in and year out, you've just handed, handed somebody a list of ev- you know, that they can use for fraud and, and stack ballots and say, well, these are, these are all the people that uh, voted uh, at, you know, after the fact. We, we just found their votes. Well, you know, because they're still on the voter rolls, that those are going to be treated as valid. Uh, we, we sued her. We lost in the trial court. The, the, the judge said, oh, they don't have to do any of that list maintenance under federal law. And we're now pending appeal in the Court of Appeals up in Atlanta. Right. So you're right now before the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals on this case, the ACRU, the American Civil Rights Union, uh, versus Dr. Brenda Snipes, who is uh, in, in charge of things in Broward County. But walk me through, if, if you would, what the lawyers are doing, right? Lawyers are descending on Broward County, and then there was the lawsuit from from Governor Rick Scott, of course, running for senator there in the lead right now, about whether or not there could be observation even of of the uh, process. They're now into the recount. I believe, if I have the numbers right, the recount has to be done by November 15th. What is it that the lawyers are doing right now? Well, there are a couple of things. The first suit by, by, by Rick Scott uh, Brenda Snipes was supposed to provide a total uh, count of the number of ballots that had been received, either uh, at polling places on Election Day or by absentee or by provisional ballots. These are people that show up and they're not registered to vote, and they say, well, I should be, and they're allowed under federal law to cast a provisional ballot uh, as long as, as within a certain period of time they can verify that they are properly registered to vote. Um, and so, uh, you know, getting how many total ballots in each of those categories was an important thing. And state law down in Florida required that it be done relatively quickly after the close of the polls. And, and Brenda Snipes hadn't done it. 
and and you know the, the reason this is important is you know if you have a count of the ballots then people can't all of a sudden add thousands of ballots after they realize how much they've lost by you get the count up front and she hadn't done that it was refusing to do that and rick scott filed suit and the court ordered it to do it by last friday evening so that's that's one thing what's the universe of ballots that we're counting uh to make sure that the count is being done properly and that people aren't um, you know accidentally just kind of thrown in extra ballots based on the people that are no longer eligible to vote but are still on the voter rolls oh my god it's a level yeah, of no. confusing that can't properly I mean, it, it, it's like not enough time to cover it. Talking to John Eastman, the former uh, dean of Chapman Law School, and, of course, he is uh, the founder of the uh, – he founding director of the Center for Constitutional Jurisprudence uh, there at the Claremont Institute, claremont.org. Uh, Let's take it out of Florida for a moment. Let's take a look at Georgia, and you have Stacey Abrams, who is now suing uh, – to keep the vote count going an extra day in the hopes that enough votes can be counted for her, maybe regardless of where they come from, so she can force an automatic recount of the entirety against Brian Kemp. How is How does that differ from what's going on right now in Broward and Palm Beach? Well, you know, I've, I've not seen evidence of, of, of new ballots showing up, but if they've got provisional ballots that hadn't been counted or absentee ballots that hadn't been counted. Uh, the, the, the margin is so close uh, that if in counting those additional ballots, uh, the, the, uh, the Republican ends up slightly below 50 percent, then by state law, there's a runoff. And so I think that's what she's trying to do. Now, th that, that assumes that the, the uncounted ballots are going to break differently than those that have already been counted. A lot of times, this is you know, dirty little secret of elections. Um, uh, we we call the elections even though all of the absentees or all of the provisional ballots haven't been counted, because even if they break a hundred percent the to the to the losing candidate, it still won't make a difference in the outcome. But what we've seen also in other cases, uh, this goes back to uh, Indiana in the 1980s at a congressional seat, they kind of create different piles of provisional ballots. And what happened in that congressional seat was an outrage. Uh, the, the Democrats in charge of the House of Representatives, which sits as, is the overseer of, of elections for the House of Representatives, kind of divided the provisional ballots up into different categories. And they opened one, one set of ballots, and, he, and the Democrat was still losing. And then they opened another set of ballots, and the Democrat was still losing. And then they opened another set of ballots, and all of a sudden the Democrat was winning. And so they decided, oh, we're going to stop now and didn't count any of the others. Uh, the same thing happened in the Washington state governor's race uh, a, a few years ago and, and, and also in the U.S. Senate race uh, where Al Franken won the, won the election, stole the election away from Norm Coleman. So this is becoming, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, it seems like it's a, it's a piece in the playbook now. John Eastman, I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you being with us. Um, we may be checking uh, back in with you on uh, on what happens and uh, where the legal battle goes from here. A pleasure uh, to have the chance. Much more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today.
I'm Tony Katz. How you doing? 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number. 833-468-8669. That's how you're a part of uh, the big uh, shenanigans over here. According to Morgan Stanley, your tax refund is going to be 26% bigger. 26% bigger in 2019. Please clap. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's happening. Americans have been overwithholding significantly, and they forecast that 2019 is just going to be massive. In dollars, this is $62 billion more than the $235 billion in refunds that were issued in 2018. Now, the whole idea of overwithholding, I don't mean to, but it happens all the time. It happens all the time. Every time I sit and go over it, I'm told, yeah, they're, they're holding on to a lot of your cash. But I can't figure out how to properly properly manipulate it to be able to get more. And I, I just, I, I don't know. Part of me is like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But why should I give them my money to hold on to? Why shouldn't I hold on to my money? Why should I leave it there and then maybe get it back when I can hold on to it and then maybe pay it? I, I just I can't I just can't seem to find a a balance in my life that that makes it work. Um, of the people who are going to get refunds, sixty five percent, according to Morgan Stanley, are going to save it. Thirty five percent say they're going to pay down debt, and five percent they'd make a major purchase. Now, for those of you uh, who just did that math, that's one hundred and five percent. So basically, this is Willy Wonka math. Oh, respondents could select more than one answer. Well, there it is. There there it is. I don't know. I mean, the whole idea of major purchase. Okay, like, do people do that? Do they take their refund and they're like, you know, I'm going on vacation? Do you really, Ari? You you, you, you take your refund and you're like, I'm going on vacation? I don't do vacations, but, like, I, I do buy something. you don't something. do vacations? I, I don't spend my refund on vacations. Oh, okay. I'll just, I'll, uh, I'll buy something cool. You buy an Xbox? I already have an Xbox. Buy like a PlayStation uh, 4? I think last year I I went out to like uh, a fancy steakhouse and then I bought myself like a a a beer like delivery thing where they send you a new one each month. That's what you did with your refund. Yeah, you took yourself out for a steak. My girlfriend and I went. I didn't know that. You didn't say that. You said you took yourself out for a steak. I mean, she tagged along. You know, <laughs> you showed up in your in your Sunday best and said, "Got me a refund." Think I'll have myself a sirloin. And then you sat down, you put the put the napkin right there into the shirt, full bib style, you know? And said, I think I'll have the uh I think I'll have the asparagus with the holiday sauce, if you don't mind. And they said, I'm sorry, did you say holiday sauce? And you'll be like, Why, yes, I did. I'm a swell, don't you know? By the way, I've been looking for a reason to use the term swell on the show. I want to thank you for giving me that. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, This also, most frightening news of the day. Can't do enough to scare you because of this. It is absolutely, positively horrible, and I apologize. George R.R. Martin. The writer, he uh, he's having trouble coming up with the final. He does not he does not know 
how well he's going to get the entire series done. They may have finished filming, but you understand that when they did the movie, they went off script. They went off Martin. They moved into other areas that they wanted to move into. The upcoming Winds of Winter, he put out a sample chapter, and he's telling the people who think that he won't be able to finish a song of, of, of Ice and Fire to kiss his butt. Um, but he can't get himself to get into his writing routine because, well, he's too dang popular now. He says it's been a struggle for a few years. The Winds of Winter is not so much a novel as a dozen novels, each with a different protagonist, each having a different cast of supporting players, antagonists, allies, and lovers all around them, and all these weaving together against the march of time in an extremely complex fashion. So it's very, very challenging. So yeah, I think people are, are rightfully concerned and rightfully worried, and I think that Game of Thrones, for a lot of people, is the only reason they're getting... Uh, HBO to begin with. You know I don't moot. I, no. No, I don't. I don't do you I don't. pay for your own Netflix? Yeah, of course I do. Oh, you, Somebody you has fool. To. You fool. Wow. Okay. That's that's capitalist. Producer Ari. Uh, so uh, from what I know, uh, you'll be getting... Um, you'll be getting your, your, your finale, your final season of, of, of HBO. Um, however, there's also a plan of doing Game of Thrones prequels, and well, who knows what the hell is going to happen with that. Overheard. Here's Brian. Hey, it's Brian Baker. Heartfelt thanks and deep appreciation to all of our veterans today and every day. Here's what's been overheard. Sam Donaldson says CNN is suing the White House over Jim Acosta losing the last shred of his journalistic integrity. No, I'm sorry, that's a misprint. Over losing his White House press pass. Wait a minute, Sam Donaldson? I thought Sam Donaldson was dead. You sure? Check his pulse. Good old Sam made the revelation about being alive and the lawsuit during an appearance on anti-Trump network CNN with Brian Stelter. You're sure he's not dead? You're positive. All right, play the clip. My name is Sam Donaldson, and I got a message for you. News ain't just for the white man. It's for the bros and sisters, too. Well, that's Sam Donaldson, but that's not the right clip. you have any others in there? Well, if that's the woman, you tell her to shut up. Well, that seems uncalled for. Oh, here we go. You know, I hope I'm not mistaken, but it's my understanding that CNN and Acosta have sued. That there will be a court hearing on Tuesday on this very not matter that, that we've been discussing. I, not that I know well, of. Well, I know of it. You may be ahead of I, me. <laughs> I've been told that because they've been asked, I've been asked to give an affidavit, which I prepared, to, uh, to be submitted to the court. Uh, you know, Harry Truman had it right. He had advice for all sorts of public officials, and that is when they heard things they didn't like, uncomfortable questions, a pesky press corps and all of that. Remember this, he said, if you can't stand the heat, Get out of the kitchen. <laughs> you know what? I can't help it. I love Sam Donaldson. I really do. The eyebrows, the Play-Doh hairpiece, the cheese. I miss him. I can't beat up on the guy. God bless him. Now, you're sure he's not dead? You're positive. All right. Well, then why does he smell like that? Liberal media is going on the attack against Fox News' Tucker Carlson. This, of course, comes in the wake of Antifa staging a protest outside his home. Donna Martin graduates! In a statement released by disgraced porn lawyer Michael Avenatti, a country club patron said he may pursue criminal charges against Carlson after a cell phone video showed the Fox News host appearing to threaten him during a scuffle at a bar. Let's enjoy the heavily censored audio together, shall we? Guys, get the f out of here. 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 Guys, get the f out of here.
But according to Tucker's version of the events, he was having dinner at the club with two of his adult children and some friends on October the 13th. Towards the end of the meal, he said his 19-year-old daughter went to the bathroom with a friend, and on her way back through the bar, a middle-aged man stopped his daughter and asked if she was sitting with Tucker Carlson. Upon learning that she was his daughter, the man responded, Are you Tucker's And then he called her a misogynistic slur. Okay, so let me just explain something here that most decent to semi-decent people instinctually understand. You mess with a man's son, you're going to face severe consequences, but you might live to see another day. This low-life degenerate messed with Tucker's daughter. He's lucky Carlson didn't beat him to the point that investigators were sifting through the man's juices to identify the body. You don't mess with a man's daughter, okay? Don't do it! Not under any circumstance! I'm Brian Baker. You sure Sam's not dead? All right, Sam, why don't you take us out for old time's sake, huh? You handle the clothes today. We don't have the clothes yet. I haven't written the clothes yet, mothers. All right, just take it easy. Maybe tomorrow. Have a nice day. Mothers. Brian Baker, thank you. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Thousand Oaks. Of course, the shooting that took place. 12 people murdered. There's an interesting reaction that's coming out of Thousand Oaks. And it's worth our attention. Because the reaction isn't what Nancy Pelosi wants. Isn't what you expect from California. Do we have to wait for horror for people to take proactive measures? That's all coming up. I'm Tony Katz. I don't know if it's ignorant or if it's just straight out pathetic. I don't I don't know which one it is, Ari. It's not. It's 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 not that you are daft, producer Ari. It's that you try so hard to be. That makes me sad. Tony Katz today, 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. Let me go to the phones. Steven, welcome to the show. What's going on, Steven? Well, hello, Tony. I'm so glad to hear to be able to talk to you. This is my first time. Ah, good on, man. Good on you. What's up? Like they said before, a long-time listener, first-time caller. Ah, you seem to love to hear that. I do love that. I do love that. What's up? Well, I just wanted to comment on this Acosta thing. Um, I always was of the opinion, since not every single reporter in the United States can make it to the White House, that it's not considered a right. It's considered a privilege to be part of the press corps, and that uh, you're there by their invitation, and you have to uh, you have to have some manners, and that they can uninvite anybody they want. I didn't think it was a a right that they had to let him in. Well, let's let's make sure we understand what we're talking about here, right? So Jim Acosta is there with CNN, and Jim Acosta goes uh, and is at the press conference. It took place last week. It took place last uh, Wednesday. And I remember because the election had just ended, and here in my beloved Indiana, uh, Mike Braun had defeated the incumbent Senator Joe Donnelly. Big upset, and by uh, double digits, if not nearly double digits, now that some more votes have come in, and we were scheduled to talk to him. Well, the press conference begins. 
And the press conference begins with Donald Trump being as Donald Trumpy as anybody who ever Trumped. He is just being him all over the place. And what's he saying? You know, some people, they, they didn't want the embrace. They, they didn't uh, want, want my love. Uh, you know, uh, it's too bad. Grace, on the other hand, you had some that decided to let's stay away. Let's stay away. They did very poorly. I'm not sure that I should be happy or sad, but I feel just fine about it. Carlos Cubella, Mike Kaufman, too bad, Mike. Mia Love. I saw Mia Love. She'd call me all the time to help her with a hostage situation. Being held hostage in Venezuela. Uh, but Mia Love gave me no love. And she lost. Too bad. Sorry about that, Mia. I mean, it was, it was surreal to listen to. Well, then Jim Acosta, who decides that his job is not to ask questions, but to lecture the president and to be the conscience of America, stands up. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I wanted to challenge you on, on one of the statements that you made in the tail end of the campaign uh, in, in the midterms. That here, this, here we go. That, well, if you let's don't go, mind, Mr. Go. President, that this caravan was an invasion. As you know, I, Mr. President, I consider it to be an invasion. As you know, Mr. President, caravan was not an invasion. It's a, it's a, a group migrants moving up from Central America towards the border with the U.S. Thank you for telling and me that. I appreciate why, why, did you, why did you characterize it as such? Uh, because I consider it an invasion. You and I have a difference of opinion. But do you think that you demonized immigrants not in this election no, to try I to want keep... Them, I want them to come into the country, but they have to come in legally. You know, they have to come in, Jim, through a process. I want it to be a process. And I want people to come in, and we need the people. Your you know, campaign... Wait, your campaign... Wait, wait. You know why we need the people, don't you? Because we have hundreds of companies moving in. We need the people. Right. But your campaign had an ad showing migrants climbing over walls and well, so on. Well, that's true. It poured, it, but they it, weren't actors. They're not going to be doing they that. They weren't actors. Well, no, it's true. Do you think they were actors? They weren't actors. They didn't come from Hollywood. Right. These, were, these were people. This was an actual, you know, it happened a few days ago. And, uh, They're hundreds of miles away, though. They're hundreds and hundreds of miles you know away. That, that's I not an invasion. Should, honestly, uh, I think you should let me run the country. You run CNN. All right. And if you did it well, your ratings well, let me would be ask, much if better. I, if I okay, may ask enough. one other question. Mr. President, if I may, if I may ask Peter, one other question, are you worried? That's enough. That's no, enough. Mr. President, I, well, that's I enough. So, it was a little, it was, there was a back and forth. He answered the question. Uh, Acosta is lecturing, not asking a question at a point. And then President Trump says, we're done. And Acosta won't get rid of the microphone. I mean, I know we've seen it before, but I don't think we've ever really played it out. People forget this part because they're all going to the part where uh, the White House aide, this young woman whose name I don't know, goes to take the microphone and Jim Acosta tried to push her away. And all you'll hear about in the press is, oh, it was a doctored video. They put out a doctored video. If that's a doctored video, my dear people, you don't know what doctored means. It wasn't split up and spliced, so somehow, amazingly, this mystery hand comes in. You can watch it at any speed. It shows what happened. End of list. And even if you want to be someone who says that he didn't push this girl away, he didn't stop her from doing her job, 
Jim Acosta decided at that moment he was more important than the president of the United States, and Jim Acosta is not more important than the president of the United States. I don't care how much you hate Donald Trump. What does that have to do with me? I sleep fine. Your level of hate is your problem, not my problem. I don't... I have issues with things said, and I could have issues with policies, and I'll discuss them. I never once hated Barack Obama so much that I thought a reporter was in charge when he was doing a press conference. Never once dawned on me that that would be the case. He won't stop. So they, the White House said because of the way he treated the aide, they uh, revoked his press credentials. I, I spoke about this a little bit. Of course they can revoke his press credentials. The revoking of his press credentials is not an attack on a free press. This is mythology. Let's not get involved in this. Because CNN is still able to report. CNN is still able to cover. CNN can still send people. The entire network wasn't kept out of the White House. And I think there would be a question about whether or not that would still be an attack on a free press. But Jim Acosta not being allowed is not an attack on a free press. And if Jim Acosta wants to sue, Jim Acosta is more than welcome to sue. I think the rest of us will look at that lawsuit and then, uh, you know, we'll kind of we'll giggle to ourselves. <laughs> That's it. Listen. Jim Acosta, to your point, Stephen, is allowed to cover the White House. It's not a right. It's not a right because he can cover the White House from Pebble Beach, which is the spot outside, or he can cover the White House from outside the gate. He can do that. He is not given carte blanche to decide that he alone is the bulwark against the President of the United States. He is not given carte blanche to be rude and disrespectful. He's not given carte blanche to own the microphone uh, for a, a determined period that he decides. When the President moves on, you move on. But no, Jim Acosta thinks he's special. And it's really important that no matter how much you hate Donald Trump, you stop it with this idea that Jim Acosta is not special. Jim Acosta is not special. Amongst journalists, he's fair at best. You understand that, right? He isn't great. He isn't exceptional. He isn't a credit to his craft. He isn't a wonderkind. He isn't a prodigy. Prodigy, prodigy. Good Lord, cats. Neither am I, it turns out. He's just a guy. He's a guy who's really good at shoving himself to the front and asking bombastic, nonsensical questions and now lecturing because he considers himself part of a movement. He considers himself the movement, which makes him lower down the totem pole of reporters because reporters don't make themselves the story. So to answer the question, no, uh, Jim Acosta not being in the, in the, in the White House press corps is, is, is meaningless. It's no big deal. It's not. He is given no right to be there. 
If the president decided, listen, only these two outlets, because they're nice to me, they get to be there, that'd be a problem. That would be a problem. But NBC News is still there, and ABC News is still there, and CBS News is still there. Yeah. Free Press is doing just fine. I'm Tony Katz. The latest edition of Eat, Drink, Smoke is up, my people. Eat, Drink, Smoke, it is the podcast where we review the cigar and the bourbon and the good food and uh, the whatnot. iTunes is where you go. You go to iTunes and you will be able to subscribe. Just put in Eat, Drink, Smoke, and then boom. Next thing you know, the greatest podcast in the world right there to you each and every week. Actually, a couple times a week is how we do it. And if you're if you're a Google person, oh, on Stitcher as well. We are on, yeah, that's right. Oh, we're fancy. We're fancy there, uh, producer Ari. We are we are not playing around at all by any means. So go and get the podcast and subscribe. And don't forget a review with five stars. Thank you very much. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, 833 got Tony. That is the number. 833 833-468-8669. I was going to discuss what's going on in Thousand Oaks because it's kind of fascinating after the shooting there. The, mur- the murder of 12 people. I mean, it, 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 it is what it is. And there's a big conversation that the Democrats plan to pursue gun control once they have uh, the power. This is their plan. Their plan is not to talk about mental illness. Their plan is not to talk about uh, how we deal with people who are unstable and can they be adjudicated mentally unfit to own a firearm. The plan is not how one protects and defends themselves. The plan is not uh, to uh, discuss uh, what it is that's going on culturally that's leading to shootings. Uh, The plan is not to note uh, that it is usually white people who are involved in what we call mass shootings, but it's black people who are involved in shootings on the streets. It's not for us to pay attention to the fact that all this press coverage will happen to a mass shooting, but while black kids get killed, the press is literally silent and everybody goes about their business and says, oh, oh well, what are you going to do? Somehow we're going to avoid all of those big subjects and we're going to tell lawful gun owners, screw you. That's the plan. This is the big, bold plan of Nancy Pelosi. That's a a good plan. That's a good plan. You know who this is not the plan of? The people of Thousand Oaks. USA Today with the story. What they have discovered is that VC Defense, a store I had never been to, right? I never went to a gun store in in, Cali- in, in Thousand Oaks. I've been to gun stores in California. Uh, it is the only brick-and-mortar gun store in town. They're starting to see an influx of people learning how to purchase a firearm, asking about how this works, asking about what the system is. According to John Von Collin, who's the owner, this um, single father and his teenage son who came in to say, okay, teach me about what I would need to do to buy a 9mm. He says that's just one of many. They had never, ever thought about a firearm before. 
but they feel like they're ill-equipped to deal with the next mass shooter or armed home invader. A lot of people are going to look at this story and just cheer, be like, finally, people got it, got their heads uh, on straight. I would argue it's only a half cheer. Fear is a motivator, and we know this to be true. But I don't want people getting involved in purchasing a firearm solely on this idea of fear. I don't want them to say, well, a mass shooting's coming, and, 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 and I, I, I don't want to be... How about this? There's evil in the world, and I'd like to be able to protect my family and myself. And I want to learn the skills necessary to be able to do so. It's why people take self-defense courses. It's why people read books about how to better their life. You know, whether it's a book about diet or a book about minimalism or whatever the case may be. They take the they, they go and take the time to learn to be able to be proactive in the betterment of their own lives and future. That is valuable. Now, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a little bit being kind of lofty in my thoughts there because if they're, if they're so moved to be proactive, this is good. This is, this is valuable. But I want them to be proactive for the right reasons. I didn't need Pittsburgh to know that every synagogue is a soft target. Stop being soft targets. Only been screaming it from the mountaintops. I don't need 12 people dead in Thousand Oaks to to tell me to to go buy a firearm, but maybe some people did. I'm sorry about that. But I want you to think of it as more than just, well, I'm afraid. I'm afraid, so I have to protect myself. No, I don't want to be afraid, so I have to protect myself. Or better yet, I want to be able to have a chance. That is an unbelievably proactive thing to do. It's why people lose weight. They want to have a chance to live longer. doesn't mean that they will, but they want to have a chance to live longer. For the past three months, four months, every day, I mean, I do a morning show too. So every day before the morning show, um, I'm... I'd started just 15 minutes uh, down in our, our downstairs gym before the show. Now I'm 30 minutes. I don't know if I've lost any weight, but I got to at least believe that somehow the health is better. Right? There's a sweat going at the end. I got kids. I understand what's going on with me. I want to at least give myself a shot. That's all I'm doing. And I know the things that I need to do to get there. I was in New York l- last week, right, Thursday and Friday, and I appreciate the people who uh, saw me on with Dana Perino on the Daily Briefing and sent me a, a tweet or, or a text or, or an email. I, I really do. Being in New York without a firearm is bothersome. And I, and I carry a firearm, and I'm in Dunkin' Donuts getting a coffee because I am not buying a Starbucks. And if I'm in New York and I'm a fan, I grew up with, with Dunkin' Donuts as coffee. I didn't even drink much coffee, but Dunkin' Donuts was, was the coffee. And I try local places and some of them, they have like, for example, a Gregory's coffee. It's just too harsh for me. They, uh, Dunkin' Donuts. And there's a guy in there who's panhandling for money and literally to the woman next to me, cause I didn't, I didn't see it at first. Uh, he's like, uh, you got some change. And he, and she says, sorry, I, I don't have any money for you. And he goes, well, then what the hell do you have money for? And so I take the step. He already starts walking. 
That's a guy. He walked up to a family and asked for money. The family said no. And literally, I mean, there are kids. He's giving them all the fingers saying, F you, F you, F you. And then he walked out the door. This is a guy who is going to be a problem. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to shoot the guy. It means don't you want to be prepared for problems that exist? I never was more aware of how ill-prepared I was as in that Dunkin' Donuts. These people don't want to be ill-prepared. I say good. But don't think of it as fear. Think of it as being proactive. That's That's all you can do. And get trained. Knowledge will make you feel better. It really, knowledge always does that. Tomorrow, everyone. Take care.